Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome. This is Colleen O'Grady, the host of the Power Your Parenting Moms with Teens podcast. This is a gathering place for moms to be encouraged, nurtured, and inspired. Also, you'll learn the latest in teen research and trends and get practical parenting tips. You really can improve your relationship with your teen and enjoy the teenage years. Welcome back, everyone, to the 127th episode of Power Your Parenting Moms of Teens podcast. I'm Colleen O'Grady, the host of the show. Well, here we are in August and school is around the corner. All of us were hoping that this school year, things would get back to normal. However, with the resurgence of COVID and the Delta variants, schools are scrambling once again. Needless to say, this is a less than ideal way to start the school year. If you're feeling stressed and would like some mom coaching and support, have a room for a few more clients, and I'd love to help. Also, many of you have asked me when I'm gonna launch my program, Power Your Parenting. My seven-week program, Power Your Parenting, will start at the end of September, and you will definitely be hearing a lot more about that. So is your child disorganized, scattered, forgetful, impulsive, unmotivated? If so, maybe they have ADHD. Today, I brought on an expert who primarily coaches children's and teens who have ADHD. Dr. Noreen Russell began Russell Coaching for Students in 2009, now a premier national coaching practice for middle school through college students with students across the U.S. and Canada. Her passion for providing support to frustrated students and weary parents is fueled by her own experience of raising two complex children who are both neurologically atypical. Her children's diagnoses include autism, mood disorders, ADHD, giftedness, and learning differences. Dr. Russell knows firsthand the exhaustion parents face as they day in and day out seek solutions for their out-of-the-box children. The entire team at Russell Coaching is committed to supporting the psychological well-being, education, and family life of their clients. In this episode, we address questions like, how do you know if your teen or tween has ADHD? What can moms do to help their disorganized teen get through school? What are some strategies that work for kids with ADHD? And what can moms do? So welcome, Dr. Russell. I really appreciate your time. I'm delighted to be here. Thank you for inviting me, Colleen. You're so welcome. 
So question that I like to ask all my guests is um, about if you have kids yourself. So do you have kids? I do. I have the two most wonderful children in the world. Um, they are complicated, but the love of my life. Um, my husband and I have a son who's 13 and we have a daughter who is 11. So we are smack dab into the tween into teen transition. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. So I know one of your expertise is in ADHD. So I think we'll just dive right into that. All right. So I have most of my listeners are moms of tweens and teens. So how do you know if your teen or tween has ADD or ADHD and what's the difference between those two? Sure. I'm happy to answer that. Um, I do want to preface my answer by saying that I am not a licensed clinician, but this information is available online. And we obviously, because we do ADHD coaching, know what the symptoms are. So if you're not sure if your kid is simply lazy, unmotivated, doesn't care, those kinds of things, sometimes it is a good idea to get an ADHD evaluation. And what the licensed clinician or medical provider is going to look for is three things. The first is an inability to regulate attention. A lot of people, and you know this, think that ADHD or ADD means kids can't pay attention. But what it really means is their brain doesn't automatically regulate their attention. So if you're thinking, oh, my kid doesn't have that, they can play video games all day long, that doesn't necessarily rule out ADHD. Um, so can you go into that a little bit more? That's very interesting. Talk a little bit more about what you mean by regulate. Sure. So for someone who doesn't have ADHD, their brain is able to zoom in on what is the topic of the moment, right? So for you and I, our brains are automatically regulating into, we're doing this podcast. It's going to be fun. It's going to be interesting. We have listeners who want to know more about ADHD. For people who have ADHD, their brain doesn't automatically regulate or focus their attention. And so they could be in class and drifting their attention or focus out of the window, could be to their phone, could be to the fight that they had with their girlfriend the night before. But it's really a neurological process of the brain regulating the attention. And so when I see parents or teachers going, focus, you need to try to focus. That's actually not what we're trying to do. We're trying to regulate the brain's ability to automatically regulate focus. Great. All right. So that was number one. Yep. Number two is impulsivity. And so this is where we often see some of the younger kids with ADHD being very impulsive in terms of grabbing things, touching others, being in other people's spaces. You know, some of the older kids may be making choices that are high risk choices when it comes to alcohol or drugs or sexual behavior. So there's this impulsivity that again is very neurologically mediated. If your frontal lobe and your ability to focus and think through things and make good decisions is impacted by your ADHD, sometimes you'll make impulsive hasty decisions. 
And again, a lot of times we'll say, stop, slow down, think about that. Or we'll say, well, let's talk about that. And the thing about impulsivity that I think is so important to understand is that the student or your son or daughter knows better. They have trouble doing better in the moment. So with my own two, what I'm hearing all the time in the heat of hormonal rages is, I know, mom. And then I um, will say, I know that you know, what I want you to do is focus on how to do it differently. And so the impulsivity is just so hard because parents know their kids want to do better and kids want to do better. But in that moment, it's hard to stop and think enough to slow the brain down. Okay. All right. So number three. Number three is the hyperactivity. And so a student with ADD doesn't have the hyperactive component. The student with ADHD does. Now, interestingly, and and parents, this is all just so difficult to understand. It truly is. The new manual for psychiatric disorders calls all ADHD, ADHD. And then they say with or without hyperactivity. Don't ask me, Colleen, why ADD <laughs> and ADHD doesn't make more sense, but you may well hear your doctor say ADHD with or without uh, hyperactivity. So hyperactivity is that restlessness, that need to be moving all the time, to be touching something all the time, to be fidgeting. It can also manifest as verbal hyperactivity. And so if you have a child who just never stops talking and is able to go from one topic to the next topic to the next topic for hours on end, that might be, of course, you can't say until you have a qualified professional do the assessment, that might be hyperactivity. And so when you look at all three of those things, if you think as as a mom, this kind of sounds like my kid you know, there's lots of places to start to get an assessment. And that part of ADHD is confusing as well, I think, to parents. Yeah. Yes. So one of the things that you just said in the beginning is I think a lot of times I'm, you know, I'm a therapist and I see kids who have ADD or ADHD. And what I hear from the moms a lot is like, I just thought they were lazy. I just thought they didn't care. They just irritate me because they forget stuff all the time. Things that can be really irritating for mothers are some of the signs of the ADHD. And really, we can mislabel our kids' intentions by their behaviors. And we kind of think they don't really care about their grades. So I'm sure you see that with your coaching. We see that all the time. In fact, um, I think it's almost one of the things that if I hear a parent say their child's lazy and doesn't care and they haven't had a psychoeducational assessment or neurological workup, I say, you know, let's find out, let's get the data, right? And find out if there's something more to this because most kids, most teens and most adults aren't lazy and don't care. I don't know about you, but I'm assuming that you woke up this morning and kind of said, I'm gonna do the best I can do. Now, could be a great day, could be a not so great day, but I think there are very few people who genuinely don't care. And if you hear your your child saying to you, I'm trying, it does matter, and then they're unable to perform, I think that's a great time to start learning more about ADHD. Yeah, that's great. 
So what can moms do to help their disorganized teen get through school? Right. So this is the basis of everything that we do at coaching is how do you teach the skills that we call executive functioning skills that many kinds of of kids are delayed on, but kids with ADHD really tend to struggle with. And so it's exactly what you're talking about. It's the organizing, it's the prioritizing, it's the putting things, you know, in the order in which it makes sense to get it done. It's impulse control. And those are just life skills. We've all had to have them. We as moms grew up needing them to get through school. And so the term executive functioning might be new, but the skills are the same things we've always needed. You know, a couple of things that we tend to recommend to parents as, you know, quick and easy places to start is, I think, first of all, it's really important to have an in-out box for your student. So in my kitchen, have two baskets that hang on the wall. One is for my son, one is for my daughter. They know that if anything comes home from school that I need to sign or look at or pay for, um, it needs to go in the basket. And then when I've done that, I take a paper clip and I clip it on the outside of the basket so they know they can put it back in their backpack or their folder. And we started recommending this because we would see so many students with all those things jammed in the backpack, right? Oh, it's picture day. I need this lab code of conduct sign. I need this syllabus sign. Oh, here's something for a field trip. I needed $20. And all those things would be jammed in the backpack, right? And I would say, where do you put those things for your mom or dad? And I would literally have them walk out of coaching with them in their hand. And then I was like, you know what? We need a system. We need a place for that. So the in-out basket or bucket, I think, is so vitally important. Another organizing tip that I think is essential is have one of those fabric baskets, you know, the little pop-up ones that you can get at any of these, you know, discount stores and have extra school supplies in there. When we meet with our students, we see so often pencils that have no eraser, pens that don't work anymore, um, colored pencil sets that are not sharpened. And so they can't actually complete their maps. Um, And so I think it's a really good idea starting in middle school to once a month, or if you know your child is kind of particularly hard on school supplies once a week to go through and refill those school supplies so that the student has what they need at school. And by setting up a system, go get the extra school supplies basket and refill what you need. You're teaching them the skill as opposed to opening up the pencil pouch, checking it yourself and popping the new pencils in. So those are some of the things that we suggest to parents as at-home measures to help stay organized. Yes. So what about the homework that doesn't quite get into the backpack that doesn't even, the backpack doesn't quite get into the car and then it doesn't quite get out of the car sorts of things? Yes. Yes. Very common problems. The homework papers. So we teach at our practice that every student should have a red folder. And I have to do a shout out to my my kids preschool Lake Mag because this is where I learned that they sent home for us a red folder. And one was to do and one was done. And so what we teach our students who are kind of perpetually flustered sometimes during school, they're shoving the things in the backpack is just shove everything in the red folder during the day. Doesn't matter if it's biology, if it's science, if it's language arts, if it's spelling, doesn't matter. 
if it's something for your parent, shove it all in the red folder. Then when you get home, organizing that red folder should be the first thing that you do. So you know, okay, this needs to go in this binder. This needs to go in this notebook. This needs to go in the inbox for mom. And then we teach our students to put all of the completed homework, math sheets, spelling tests, whatever it might be, lab reports, back in the red folder so that when it's time to hand that back in, they know they're only checking one place, right? Because by the time you get to high school and you've got those, you know, three inch binders and maybe you've got a binder for each class and then you've got a notebook and kids are constantly putting things different places. For me, I think what's worked over the years is teach students always put it in the same place all the time. Pull out the red folder and hand it in. Pull out the red folder and hand it in so that you're decreasing kind of the cognitive load of how hard it is to organize all of that. Yeah, that's great. All right. So what are some other strategies that work for kids with ADD or ADHD and what can moms do? I think the most important thing for moms, for all parents actually, is to start by getting educated about ADHD. There are a lot of great websites. There are a lot of great videos. There are people who do a fantastic job of explaining ADHD to parents. And We have a funny thing in our country where many people don't quite buy into the science of ADHD. You know, they think kids need to try harder. And so I think the first thing I would say to parents is read, get educated, watch videos, get on some Facebook groups or follow some Instagram people and really learn what is ADHD and then figure out How does ADHD affect my child? Because a lot of people are unaware that ADHD can really create problems emotionally regulating. It can create problems with motivation. And so it's important to get educated so you can see the big picture. And then I think the second thing that's important to do as a parent, and I do this myself as a mom, is talk to your son or daughter about ADHD help them understand what ADHD is. I had a funny situation this summer picking my kids up from camp. Um, My son got in the car and he was very mad because some kid um, at summer camp like threw the ball too close to him or some such thing. And um, my son got in the car and said, and then he told me he doesn't even think I have ADHD. And my daughter who thrives on facts and knowing things and correcting people was like, well, How would he even know if you have ADHD? First of all, you have to be a licensed professional to tell if you have ADHD. Second of all, who knows? Maybe you're taking medication and your symptoms are under control and therefore you wouldn't look like you had ADHD. And so it's really none of his business and it's no place for him to say. And I was like, okay, go Lila. (laughs) But I love the fact that both of my kids know what ADHD is. They know what are symptoms. And sure, it drives us crazy, drives my husband and I crazy. Absolutely, 100%, especially with a 13-year-old boy. But we also know that that's the neurology of it. And then we also know what are strategies that work. So I think first, educate yourself. Second, educate your son or daughter. And third, I would say get a team together. You know, whether, whether that's a teacher and the guidance counselor at school and a psychologist or a neurologist or a psychiatrist look into what 
ADHD coaching is for students, but get your team together. The research is really clear that ADHD needs what we call multimodal therapy, right? And we know this, you're a therapist, you know. We often need to tackle things with more than one approach. Um, and so I think those are the things that I always stress to parents. Get educated, talk to your kids, and have a great team. Great. Wonderful. So one year I went to a marriage and family therapy conference and they did a presentation on, on ADHD and I will never forget it. So they got about 10 therapists up in the middle of the room and they had them form a circle and they gave, so the first time they had one basketball. And so then they said, okay, throw the basketball to the next person next to you and go all the way around the circle. So they did that, and we were all watching, thinking, what's the point here? And then <laughs> they got about eight basketballs and gave them to the people around the circle and said, now throw them at the same time. And so, so we watched them throw the, you know, all these basketballs were in the air, and people were struggling to catch the balls, and the balls, you know, fell to the ground. And so that's what he said, that is what ADHD is like. Mm -hmm. So when you don't have ADHD, you can think kind of sequentially with thoughts. Mm -hmm. And if you have ADHD, it's like all these balls are in the air and it's hard to prioritize what thoughts there are. They're just all over the place. So I thought that was a great visual that made me really compassionate for these teens who have ADHD. It's really hard to separate out these thoughts, all these balls in the air that are coming at them at the same time. And another thing that I've heard, and I'm sure you have too, is that it's very, very hard for a teen to organize things just within their brain and kind of figure out how they're going to get everything done. Right. And so I'm sure one of your big coaching tools are things like whiteboards and externalizing what's in your head and putting it on pieces of paper. Yes. We teach a project management system approach to school. So really thinking about each course as a project that you're managing. And so if you have six classes, you have six projects you're managing. And we really try to get away from the idea of what do I need to get done today so that I'm done with my work, right? And instead, when you take a project management perspective on it, it's like, okay, what's the deliverable? When is it due? And how do I get to the point where I'm on time with a good deliverable? I mean, that's the basics of project management. And we as moms do this all the time, right? For example, my kids start back to school August 10th. They need school supplies. My daughter needs one list. My son needs one list. In my mind, I'm like, okay, August 10th. So the entire Tampa Bay area is going to be shopping for school supplies the weekend before. So I want to get in and do that ahead of time. Then my brain goes to, okay, how do you want to get it done, right? Do you want to go to one of the discounters? Do you want to order things? Do you want to see if the moms want to divide it up? Does my school offer one of those prepaid, prepackaged deals? And then I have to decide, what do I want to do? Deciding can be really hard for the ADHD people, right? And then once I decide, I have to do so this year, I happened to take advantage of the Target drive-up. So I was like online, clicking all the things to put in the cart. I got it done. And I did it, I think around 
August 1st. But that kind of simple project management, I mean, we're talking about school supplies, right? Pens, pencils, notebooks can be so hard for kids with ADHD because first of all, there's this overwhelming amount of information that doesn't fit into different buckets in their head and then figuring out, okay, how do I process the information? How do I decide in what order I need to do things? How do I then remember what I'm supposed to be doing? So in our practice, we teach a project management style and you know, we use all of those systems. We use apps on their phone. Last year with so many kids home, every kid who was home that was a student in our practice had a whiteboard. Every student in our practice uses a planner, not because a planner is any kind of magic, right? We've all had planners and they've gone unwritten in, but it's a good visual aid for the time management and the organizing and the prioritizing. So at our practice, our kids put in their weekly goals, their semester goals, their life goals for the year, and we use it as a way to track their progress toward the goals as well as kind of project manage their classes. But I think it's very hard to keep all of that stuff in your head. And I also think in today's world where so many kids are working off a computer portal, they make sort of a false assumption that, oh, well, it's all on the school website. And so therefore, I will get it all done. Well, the deadlines are all on there, but there's no plan on the school website. And so we have to close the gap there between, okay, I have a test on Friday and how am I actually going to be prepared for that test on Friday? Oh, I love that. That is so important, not only for ADHD kids, but for Basically, all students, I think that idea of project management. Yeah. yeah that's well, so good. I would say over half of the students we see at our practice do have ADHD. But then, as you know, ADHD often comes along with other things anxiety, depression, learning disorders, autism. And we work with students who have those diagnoses, as well as what we would call, you know, the ADHD plus kids. You know, they've got ADHD and some anxiety, they've got ADHD. And they have some mild autism. And so I think really, you know, I always say to parents, there's going to be that top 5% of people in everything. You're going to look around you. You're going to see the student who has executive functioning skills in the top 5% of the class. They're the student who's never missing a pencil. They're the student who never got a zero on homework, right? They're the student who always knows when the deadline has been corrected. They just know stuff. But most kids and most people are not in the top five or 10%. And so if you see that your son or daughter is not learning these skills kind of through observational learning or through modeling, then I think it's time to say, okay, how do we teach these skills? Because students are capable of learning them. They just, not everyone picks them up automatically. Yeah. So this is so important, moms, If when you're li listening to this, because it may be that your teen isn't like, I just don't give a rip about school and, or that they just have a bad attitude or that they're lazy. It's just that there is a skill missing. And that is really encouraging because I know a lot of moms stress, stress, stress about our kids and our grades and how they're doing and like, oh my God, they just didn't study and we just take it personally. And so when I sit down with, you know, moms and daughters and we go through things just like you're talking about, I'm kind of like, let's just see the gap. What's the gap? Like what happened between the homework was done and it not getting to the car? 
So like you start looking at that, you're doing a proactive approach in terms of teaching them these skills that really a lot of kids don't have. And like you said, a few intuitively are like that, but many, many, many aren't. So why do teens who have ADHD lose motivation? And what can moms do to help their teens get motivated? Oh, this is so important. And I think this is where having, as you said earlier, a compassionate approach to ADHD is so vitally important, right? So I think that there's a lot of evidence that's emerging that really shows, again, that we have to look at the neurological underpinnings of ADHD. If we think about there being a motivation center in the brain, and there needs to be a connection between the motivation center and the frontal lobe. And for students with ADHD, sometimes that road isn't very strong. So for example, I don't happen to have ADHD. I have many other neurological issues. I am certainly an anxious person. I can be a neurotic person. I'm quirky in a lot of ways, but I don't happen to have ADHD. So for me, I woke up this morning and I was like, okay, what's on my schedule? You know, check my phone. Oh, I've got an intake at two. And then I've got that podcast. I'm excited about the podcast because she has a special interest in girls and daughters. And so in my brain, I'm processing that information on the frontal lobe. It's kind of waking up my motivation center. My motivation center is like, oh, going to be a good day. Get up, get showered, get dressed, you know, brush your teeth, like, you know, pack your lunch. And then the frontal lobe of my brain is like, okay, how do you do all those things? Let's get them done. Let's get them done. Let's get over to the office. And getting things done increases the motivation, right? We know that doing increases motivation. But for kids with ADHD, that motivation pathway back and forth to the frontal lobe is often not very strong. And so they don't necessarily feel the motivation. You'll read about ADHD that unless it's urgent or important or has this really huge reward or punishment, kids with ADHD have a hard time getting going. And that's not their own fault. Now, that's not to say that they can't learn how to get a little bit more motivated, but expecting them to be motivated like a typical kid without ADHD, I think is just so unfair. And so some of the things that we have to do as moms are break the tasks down so they feel more manageable, so they're not overwhelming in terms of the amount of information that's getting processed. I think some of the things we have to do are start the task with your son or daughter so that they feel some companionship and emotional support. And then they can kind of take it from there. I use that one with the laundry all the time. I'll walk in the laundry room and put a couple of things in the washing machine. And then I'll say, I think you've got this. And I'll walk out of the, the laundry. And then I think sometimes we really have to be aware that sometimes we need bigger valence rewards to motivate kids that really there is a place for that. I'm not a big believer in rewards. Although as adults, we rely on rewards, right? We get our paycheck um, for the work that we do. And so I think developing an understanding of when a reward can be helpful and what kind of reward and helping the student learn how to work toward that reward. I think that's a very important life skill because we do that as adults all the time. I want that promotion. What am I going to do now? I want that car. What am I going to do now? Yeah, that's really good. I, I had a speaker on my podcast a couple of weeks ago, and she was talking about in our culture that learning has become data points. 
that can be very discouraging and just need the 97 as a data point, then you're just feel like it's unattainable. So the coaching approach, like is like breaking it down into those small chunks. So you get these little dopamine snacks because you got it done and that parents, you can give them credit for these little chunks. Like, you know what? You hung in there and you worked on that for 30 minutes. You get credit. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, and even just recognition. I mean, there's some element of praise that can be helpful, but just recognition. Wow. I'm super impressed that you cranked through today's math sheet. Wow. I am super impressed that you worked on that Quizlet until you knew your Spanish vocab at 100% proficiency. I can see how hard you worked on that. I am impressed, you know, so it's not necessarily praise like dog training, good boy, good girl, but it's seeing and acknowledging the effort and the commitment. And that I think is so respectful of our tweens and our teens. I see you, I see you working. I see your effort. Yes, absolutely. So what do most parents of kids with ADHD not know that they should know? I think that most parents of kids with ADHD don't know that ADHD is considered a chronic health condition and it's gonna require chronic management. And so while that can be hard as a parent, right? That can be hard as a mom to think, oh, this is something my kid is gonna have and we're not really gonna know if they grow out of it until their mid twenties. I think it's so empowering to also say, the more I know, the more I can help my student. And so not thinking of it as something that's going to go away or get better or, you know, but thinking of it definitely as something that can be managed. ADHD can be managed. So I think that's one thing, you know, people don't understand the chronic nature of ADHD. I think the second thing that is always helpful to know that many parents don't understand is that what science tells us is that medication plus parent education plus a school plan is what equals success for kids. And so just knowing that and knowing from a fact-based point of view what medication does for a student and really researching that, I think is something that most parents would benefit from. We all as parents don't wanna take risks with our kids, right? I understand that, I know you understand that, but I think it's important to take a science-based approach to treatment for kids with ADHD because research also shows that kids who are treated have so much better life outcomes. There's nothing I hate to see more than a teenager who is checked out of school, getting high all the time and, you know, not doing well in school and come to find out there's untreated ADHD. That would be the second thing. And the third thing that I would say that most parents don't know about ADHD that they should know is that when it is treated, it really can be a strength. I don't myself believe that untreated ADHD is a strength, but I do think that if it's treated so that the symptoms don't become problematic behaviors, there is a lot of energy and creativity and out of the box thinking, and it really can be a strength. I don't think an ADHD diagnosis in any way means 
that this is the end of the world or the end of, of the road. And so those would be the things I would say that parents should know if they don't already know. And I think it's easy to lose track of those things when you're struggling on a daily basis with impulsivity and not getting things done. And why can't you pick your shoes up? And why can't you remember to make your bed? And you're telling me you brushed your teeth, but I know you didn't brush your teeth. Or you're telling me, you know, that you were home by curfew. And I know I heard the door at 1.15 a.m. You know, it's hard. I think ADHD is far more draining and exhausting for parents than we acknowledge. And especially if it's coming along with another disorder like anxiety or depression or some mild autism. I, I think we we downplay ADHD in our culture. Oh, everyone has trouble focusing. Oh, isn't everybody a little ADHD? Well, the fact of the matter is that ADHD is a really debilitating condition for kids who have a moderate or severe you know, case of it. And that's exhausting to us as moms. I am exhausted by my kids' ADHD. And I know my husband is as well. Yeah, absolutely. What I know is that ADHD, like you were saying, I mean, you can be super, super successful. A lot of entrepreneurs and wealthy entrepreneurs are ADHD Mm -hmm. and they build a team around them to help manage them. But what their superpower is, is in generating ideas. And like you said, the energy and excitement Mm -hmm. and there's a work style test called Colby A that talks about quick starts. So the ADHD person is like, oh my God, let's just do this. So they can be risk takers. And so in the business world, they can be really amazing entrepreneurs. In your opinion, do you think medication is a must? So I'm not a medical professional, so I can't give any medical advice. What I can tell you is that the research on ADHD medications is very clear that medication is both safe and effective. And that's really what I can say. Is it an easy decision to make? You and I know it's not. And every mom out there who's ever agonized about it, it's absolutely not an easy decision to make. As somebody who is science-based and and our practice is science-based, I'm very much an advocate of following, you know, evidence-based medical protocols for you know, whatever the kids are struggling with. So for example, when we have kids with anxiety, the evidence-based medicine approach to that is medicine and therapy, a combined approach. And for ADHD, it's medication, parent education, and a school plan. I know firsthand from my own kids how transformative medication can be. I also know from my own kids how difficult it can be to get the exact medication right with the right dose and the right duration. And so I would say to parents, as you struggle through this decision, and it's going to be not a decision, it's going to be hundreds of decisions along the way. Do we try this medicine? Do we try this medicine? Did it last long enough? Did we get through homework? Is it causing trouble sleeping? What do I do with my kid who's already super thin? Keep in mind that this is something that is manageable, you know, that with enough effort and knowledge and the right medical professional on your team, you really can make a difference for the child. And that's what we want. None of us want kids who 
can't get their work done, who are impulsive, who are getting in car accidents. We don't want that, right? We also often don't want our kids on medication, but sometimes we have to make a choice between those two things and it's hard. And so I would say firsthand, I've seen the benefits of medication for my kids and for hundreds of kids over the last 12 years, but I would never say it's an easy decision or it's an easy thing to get right. And finding the right medical practitioner to work with is vitally important. And then there are times, of course, where kids can't tolerate meds. They have a heart condition or they really just are so, so, so small and so thin that they need a medication break. It can be difficult to get medication right if the child has a mood disorder. So it's not an easy fix, which I think some people think too. Well, I'm not going to the easy fix. We're going to, you know, we're going to work on this for a good six to 12 months. Well, you can work on it, but the ability to regulate attention is neurological. So you can sit there for six months and say, focus, try harder, but it's not going to change the neurology of the ADHD brain. Right. And I do also think some parents, so I like what you say about the team approach. I do think some parents think that all I need to do is get medication. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm done. So I like that you use the multimodal approach, that you get the school involved, that you get somebody to help with coaching and, and some strategies. And, you know, that can be the mom, but it's always really helpful to have some outside sources too, I think. You know, we find that in the elementary years, it can be the parent, right? The relationship is different in K through five the child is used to the parent being involved. The child is used to mom saying, let's get your homework out. Let's take a look at this. Did you get your homework done? And then, you know, puberty and middle school hit and kids respond differently. Some kids are still very tolerant of having their mom be their executive functioning backup. And some kids are not having it in any way, shape or form. And I think that's when the value of a professional can be so clear. Somebody who teaches and coaches executive functioning skills with lots and lots of different kinds of kids. They have lots and lots of different strategies that they can help your son or daughter try out. And, and I know you're going to relate to this. It allows you to go back to being mom, right? Mm -hmm. As moms, I want to mother my children. I want to parent my children. I don't really want to be the school secretary. I really don't. Now, lots and lots of moms are in that position because they know that their student can't do it or, you know, they've never heard of academic and ADHD coaching or for whatever reason. But I think that starting in middle school is a great time to separate those roles because your middle schooler and your high schooler need you to be mom, you know, and we know that when Kids and parents are fighting about school all the time. It decreases the connection. It doesn't really help the students' self-esteem and self-confidence. It shuts down communication. And so coaching, you know, outsourcing that the same way we do if a child needs to work on anxiety or depression or the same way we do if they're preparing for the SAT sometimes, I think is, is a great way to preserve those family relationships, which are so, so important. I mean, in my practice, I think restoring those family relationships is what drives me a lot of the time. And then it's the student's development and their achievement and the student feeling like, I can actually do this. I did this. Hey, 
Dr. Russell, guess what? I got a B on my AP human geography test, you know, but it's, it's the family piece that is so important. And as moms, that's what we want. We want to be able to love our kids. Yeah, absolutely. So we need to close out this podcast. It's been great stuff. Any last advice for our moms? Um, I think last advice for moms would be the same advice that, that we use in the practice. Meet your student, meet your son, meet your daughter where they're at, right? Set aside the expectations. Understand that kids with ADHD can be delayed in some of their development by as much as three years. Meet them where they're at. Don't assume that your 13-year-old is going to have all of the 13-year-old skills of the 13-year-old, you know, down the block and really meet them where they're at, love them how they are, and understand that development may take a little bit longer, but that they're going to get there. They're going to be the person they're meant to be. Great advice. Well, Noreen, thank you so much. Oh, one last thing is how can they contact you? How can they find you? Well, Colleen, I'm delighted to tell you that any of your listeners, we are going to extend an offer for 20% off the first three months of coaching. So we are doing that for your listeners. And the website for our practice is russellcoaching.com. And it's pretty easy to find, or you can Google me, Noreen Russell, or you can call our office at 212-716-1161. But we have a blog on the website that teaches a lot about executive functioning and gives concrete strategies. And you can learn more about ADHD coaching for your son or daughter. We work with students from middle school all the way through college. And your listeners have um, only to mention the name of your show, and they will receive 20% off. Wonderful. What a gift. Thank you. Thank you so much. You're welcome. (laughs) So anyway, Noreen, thank you so much for being here today and really appreciate your time. It's been wonderful to be here. Um, Thank you so much for having me. And I hope this is helpful to your listeners. I know as a mom, I'm always looking for things that are going to make me feel like I know what I'm doing and that I'm doing a better job. So thanks for having me. You're so welcome. This concludes this week's episode of Power Your Parenting Moms with Teens podcast. If this podcast has been helpful, I would absolutely love it if you could go to Apple Podcasts and give Power Your Parenting Moms with Teens podcast a five-star review. This makes it easier for other moms like you to find the support and encouragement they need. Also, my best-selling and award-winning book, Dial Down the Drama, Reducing Conflict, Reconnecting with Your Teenage Daughter, A Guide for Mothers Everywhere. You can find that and order it online at Amazon and Barnes & Noble. And you can always find other great resources and contact me at ColleenOGrady.com, two L's and two E's. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.